Hello, you're welcome to the Change Africa podcast. My name is Isaac Kujirinoba, and this is the third special edition of the podcast. Today, we have another extraordinary change maker who has been building a lot of influential companies in the lives of women. She started off as an entrepreneur who is focused on mentorship for girls, making sure that young girls have role models in their communities both in Ghana and in Canada. She's also built a ride-sharing industry that was purposely focused on women. And today we have the honor of interviewing Aisha Ado, who is the founder of Power to Girls Foundation. Hi, Aisha. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Um, I'm good. You describe yourself as a accidental entrepreneur. What does that mean? Um, I think entrepreneurship is something that, well, actually... Let me backtrack. First off, thank you so much for having me on the Change Podcast. Um, yeah, really excited to be here. So why I call myself an accidental entrepreneur? Because I feel like entrepreneurship wasn't necessarily something that I was seeking, so to speak. Um, you know, growing up, I had the very um, fixed idea of adulting. You know, go to school, finish school, get a job, you know, do all of that stuff. And I think as time went on, as I discovered who I was, as I grew as an individual, there were so many things that I saw around me that were pain points that basically catapulted me into like the world of entrepreneurship. So I always say I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I wasn't, I didn't set out to, you know, become an entrepreneur. So yeah, that's why. I well, what did you set out to become? What was those lingering ambitions? Um, I studied accounting in school. So I guess to become an yeah to become an accountant, but then I realized that I was too full of life for that. Um, wow, accounting is boring. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no shade to the accountant, um, but it just wasn't me. And I think that's also part of the reason why I call myself an accidental entrepreneur is because I kind of fell into it, and then it just I'm like, oh, I can do this. Like you know, this is fun, stressful, but fun. So we can make this happen. So what what do you think was your connection to women in general? The story of women. Aside from the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the story of women, right? That led you to wanting to build for them. Um, obviously, there are other women entrepreneurs that are focused on things. At a very early age, you just decided this was your purpose, your calling. You've stuck to it for a very long time. Yeah. So you should have... Come to this, I believe, um, recognizance with your environment that says this is the thing I want to do. Obviously, I start for the obvious. To be quite honest, like it is because of the obvious. I think okay. it, it was so easy for me to relate to young girls, for me to relate to women because I identify as one. And also because a lot of the issues that we were solving within my organization or like any, any like, you know, platform, anything that I build or create, to be quite honest, is directly like it's something that I can direct is is directly affect like I direct it's something that is um I can relate to and something that resonates with me. So I always say this that like in anything that I build in anything that I create, um, I am my first 
casting. Awesome. So you're so solving first. I'm so, exactly, right? And, you know, as time goes on, you come to recognize that, to be quite honest, like a lot of women, girls, like the challenges, the issues and stuff that we face are very, very much intertwined um, with each other. So I'm always my first customer. And, and I think because of that, I'm also able to build from a place of empathy and I'm able to build from a place of, you know, humbleness because I recognize that like, in as much as I'm building for the public, I'm also building for myself. So what would, you know, what would Aisha like, you know, what, what, if this is, you know, you looking at this from someone else's perspective, how are you going to relate to this? So yeah, that's. So it's almost like you look into the world and see what are the things that you really want to see that you don't see and you just make it happen. So then let's start from power to girls. Mm -hmm. What was it that was missing? So Power to Girls started, I was around 17, 18, Mm -hmm. around the time that I started. And I had just moved to Canada from Ghana. And my experience as like, you know, an immigrant, like even as like a African girl living abroad, I think it's very similar to like all the stories that you probably would have heard. You know, there's the systematic racism, there's the, you know, feeling othered. There's like the part where you're constantly like asking yourself, do I belong here? And then it's also kind of like, you know, you come to Ghana and then you ask yourself, do I belong here? Mm-hmm. Because you don't find that, you know, that, that pack. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But I think one of the things that was very interesting for me was that it was really like actually church. And I was in a Ghanaian, a very Ghanaian church. And I realized something that, you know, there was a lot of, you know, our culture is, is set up in a way that, you know, we never really create spaces for kids to ask questions. We never, we never reward curiosity. We always want to say, no, this is it. And that's like, that's just how it's done. And there's no room for questioning. And I was a very, I still am actually a very curious person. I always ask questions. Um, I'm that person that would bombard you with 700 questions. And it's because those 700 questions need answering. And oftentimes you might not necessarily see why it needs answering, but I'm the person that's asking the question. So there's a reason why I'm asking the questions. And I realized that, you know, we've created a community, we've created a culture within the church that didn't allow for young people to really ask questions. But then more importantly, we weren't creating a space for them to actually be themselves. So it's because they're like always pretending in front of the Exactly, audience. right? Because it's like, you know, if if you know you you you'd be in charge, there would be a sermon and then they'll say, you know, don't have sex before marriage. And you're like, Okay, but why? Because I'm going to school and like school is saying something else, you know. And you're not really having a conversation with me about why I shouldn't have sex. And I'm using sex as a very generic example because I feel like that's something that a lot of people can relate to. Um, so fast forward, I, I was just observing a lot of things. And like I said, I was that, I was that child or youth that you'd say, you know, I'm always asking questions and I am kind of like a rebel, quote unquote, not like rebellious in a disrespectful way, but it's like, no, tell me why I shouldn't do this the way that I want to do it. Let me understand what exactly your perspective is that. I need to change my thought process or my perspective to follow yours. So we were in church and there was this lady um, and she's kind of like, you know, the troublesome person. You know, everyone <laughs> has, knows those people within yeah. the, their communities. And there was a young girl and this young girl had come to church that day and she was wearing a skirt. 
can see she's very excited to be in church. And this lady went up to her and said, you know, whatever you want. And like, I, I don't know the full conversation, but I was observing and kind of like listening into the bits. And one of the key things that like, you know, what you're wearing is not appropriate for church. So the girl starts crying. So the lady left and then I went up to the girl and I asked her, what did she say? And she's like, oh, she said, da, 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 da. and then the girl explained to me that that day she was so excited to come to church. She just grabbed the first thing that she could lay her hands on. You know, and she wasn't like, and and that made me realize something. So like, we only see, or we only we only see what we want to see, right? Because if you had gone up to her and say, "Hey, what's up? How are you doing? Why? You know what I mean? Like, are you comfortable? Like, there's so many different ways that that conversation could have gone. But in that moment and in that instance, you have shattered someone's spirit and someone's desire to be in a community. Do you understand? So. I think it was right there, and I was like, you know, don't listen to her. You're beautiful. You look good. Um, you know, it's good that you wanted to come to church. Next time, like, if you don't feel comfortable, like, you know, maybe grab something else. You know, have something else in your bag just in case. You know, and like, really just re like reassuring her and like relifting the spirit that kind of like was you know broken. Like she was still crying. Like she was this is like, and you know when something really hurts you and you're like in deep tears. Like she was in deep tears. So. And I told her, I'm like, you know, a couple of the girls we're meeting at the church on Friday. She should come. And literally, that's how Pirates Girls started. Six girls. And I remember exactly. It was six girls from the church. And we, we started talking. We started having conversations. And I was like 17, 18. And these girls were like 12, 13, 14. But there was something that was very interesting was that I became sort of like a bridge between them and their parents because I had just come from Ghana. So I also understood where their parents were coming from, from a cultural perspective. But these were girls that were raised, born and raised in Canada. So their thought process and their approach towards a lot of things is different. You can't tell them what to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Especially it's, that age. Yeah, it's a very curious time. Um, so I became a bridge, um, six girls turned to 10 and then 10 girls said, okay, we're going to do a conference conference, brought about 60 girls. And to date we've worked with about 5,000 girls across Canada and Ghana. Um, and we're still going strong some 10, 12 years later. So, Do you still keep in touch with this girl? Yeah. So this girl, that girl in particular, <laughs> yes, we keep in touch from time to time. I've actually not seen her in a while, but among the girls that participated in our program, there's one that still works with us till date. Actually, there's no, there's two that works with us till date. One, you know, she finished high school. She went to college, university. She studied um, social work, comes back, does the program. And one of the things that is so beautiful is that, like, she went back to the school that her teacher had told her, you know, you can't graduate, you can't go to college, you can't go to university and actually runs programs in that school. And like, for me, it's always such a beautiful, you know, I always say she's my poster child um, because she's a testament of like the work that we have done at Power to Girls, but then also, you know, the power of creating safe spaces for people, not just girls, but creating safe spaces for people. I think it's very important. That's a very inspirational story. Thank you. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's, unravel this um, difficulty of women finding space, safe spaces is almost everywhere. Um, at what age did you personally feel like the world did not create a lot of spaces for you to just express yourself fully? Hmm, that's a good question. That's a really good question. At what age did I realize that the world was a 
can I swear? (laughs) 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 The world was a not so kind place um, for women. Um, To be quite honest, I think because I grew up in Ghana, there's always that understanding that, you know, the world might not be kind to you because of your gender. And I think it's, it's, it's in the little things. It's in the way that we treat girls. It's in the way that, you know, we talk to them. It's in the way that we tell them, no, you can't do that because you're a girl. It's in the little, it's in the very, very subtle things that, you know, start to like, you know, you start to question because, you know, growing up, you'd see, you know, your, your mom would say, okay, you come into the kitchen and then your brothers are sent outside. And you're like, but I want to play too. But it's like, no, you have to be. And it's in those things. And again, like, it's not to say that like those skills are not valuable skills, but I feel like focusing so much on just those skills for young girls becomes limited because we've done programming where we've gone into schools and we have conversations with the girls and we ask them, what do they aspire to be? And it's like the aspirations are not there because they don't see themselves represented. Like they don't see that they, they don't even envision themselves in certain spaces. So for me, I think it was something that was always subtle. Um, but I'm also someone that like really do not like to see inequalities and like, this is not just inequalities when it comes to women, but inequalities when it comes to like the little things, the way that we treat the least of us, you know what I mean? Um, the way that you talk to other people, the way that you interact with other people, the way that you connect to other people, like all those little, little things for me growing up has been something that like always irked me. So, like I said, I'm a very curious person. I always ask questions. So I, I'm like that child that's like, I would ask you so many questions and you'd be like, okay, you know what? It's enough. Like stop asking so much questions. But then as I got older, I realized that it wasn't my, my quest for information that was the problem. It was the fact that most of the people that I was asking the questions didn't have the information to give me. And then try to shut you. Exactly. But then you succeeded to keeping this curiosity even to now. Of course. Um, My relationships suffer because of (laughs) (laughs) But where do you think you got that from? Especially the resistance to an environment that tries to get you to, you know, um, cope to become like it, you know. The environment tries to change you to become less curious, less audacious, and to the point where you've been able to say, I want to actually see my audacity in other girls. How did the environment, how did society not succeed in doing what perhaps it succeeds in doing for other women? Oh, that's a really good question. I honestly do not know where I got that from. Mm-hmm. I just, I just think for me, it's like, you can't shut me up. <laughs> like, once I start, like, you can't shut me up. But then, also because I think, you know, my parents, my parents did a really interesting job with, with, with me in particular, because mm-hmm. I have two brothers. And the thing is that I was never really, like, there was like the, the, the generic stuff, you know, being in the kitchen, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But I think there's a part that my my curiosity was never shut down, right? Um, you know, and I think as time went on and as I got older, I came to appreciate that part of myself more. And also because I always want answers. Like I want, like, 
I'm, I'm just generically always looking for answers. Like I remember sitting down as a kid and I'm just sitting down and I'm like, oh, how did, you know, why is the sky blue? How did this come about? You know, what happens to my skin if I die? Like I'm just always searching for something. Whatever it is, I do not know. <laughs> but it is just that thing. I, I guess it's innate. Like it's yeah. something that just comes naturally. But how do we teach that to people? I think it's creating, create, when you create a safe space for people to ask questions, you would, you'd be able to cultivate that in people and especially young people. It's just like the process of self-expression allows that. Yes. Because it's like, imagine if you have like a little girl in your household or like you have a, a little child, right? Kids get to a point where like, let's say between three, four, five, six, where they ask a lot of questions and they're curious about everything you know auntie aisha why is your screen like this why is your dress and it's like you know sometimes i watch my like little nieces and nephews and i'm like huh this is where it starts from right so i've i've become that person in the household where like if their mother tries to shut that i'm like no let them be let them ask these questions because the moment at that early stage you start shutting them down that's that that's when they become very complacent to society and they're like okay you know what even when they want to ask questions sorry i can't i can't ask questions even in a classroom right but when boys do that we reward that as he's so smart right so it's it's in those very minute like interactions with people with young people especially that I think that's cultivated. And for me, I think I just, you can't shut me up. Like my parents would tell you, like, <laughs> you, you just can't, you know? So, yeah. So Parenting is very foundational. Absolutely. Um, in your interactions, now working with our 5,000 girls, um, what do you tell parents around upbringing of children? Obviously, the society has a big role to play because, you know, children go to school, they interface with the society mm-hmm. at large, but their first interaction really core starts with their mother, their father, yeah. their siblings. How do you encourage parents to better handle, especially the girl child? So, because I'm not a parent yet, there's, like, I'm always very, you know, it's kind of like, oh, by the way, your child is going through this. <laughs> Who the hell do you think you are to tell yeah, me about my child? Right. I know. Um, so I'm always playing this very like interesting field. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing that is always constant. And this is ever since like started Power to Girls, this is something that I always tell parents is that like and, and you see this advice goes for everybody. And it's like be very mindful about the things that you say to your child in moments of anger, frustration, whatever it is. Be very, very mindful. Because the comparisons, the you know, yelling out in frustration, the impactation of words that you are actually saying on them that you might think is like, oh, I was upset. It plays a vital role in the way that they see the world and in the way that they see themselves in the world. So that's something that like I'm I'm always preaching. I'm like, be very mindful. Like your words are life. Your tongue is can be as sharp as whatever it is that you want it to be. But Please, for the love of God, do not call your child stupid. Do not call your child dumb. Do not compare your child to someone else. Because I feel like that is one of the things that breaks your spirit more than anything when your mom or your dad says, oh, look at that, your cousin. 
But then in retrospect, you know exactly what your cousin does behind closed doors. So you're like, I don't think you want me to be like that. But you know what? Okay, if that's what you see as like the perfect child, then I'll do that. Um, and then also just being mindful of what you, the words that you say to yourself. Because I've, as I've gotten older, I've also come to realize that like our parents are trying to live their lives through us. And that's what happens when you have like unfulfilled people. So it becomes like this cycle of like, you know, when I was your age, yeah, but when you were my age, you didn't have access to the internet, you didn't have access to social media, you didn't have access to information, you didn't have as much access as I have now. So you can't expect me to become, to be in a box when in your time, maybe yes, being in a box made sense because to be quite honest, there's nothing else that you knew, but it's not the same. Right. So really just being gentle um, with themselves and allowing that curiosity, allowing, you know, raising children that can be adventurous, that can see beyond their environment and their circumstances. And again, like this is also going to some people might listen and be like, okay, you're coming from a place of privilege or like, you know, all of those things. But I think it's very important that, you know, we don't encourage complacency. We are very. We can be very complacent as Gideons. So yeah, that's that's always the message. So that's very insightful. Um, if you were supposed to write a book, uh, let's call it uh, Safe Spaces One Hundred and One. What will be on the first page of that book? Like, what's the most important thing to know about creating a safe space for women? Mm, before you can become a safe space for anybody, make sure that you're being a safe space for yourself. It always starts with you, like in anything that you do. I think, you know, I I realized that very early on that like I can't do this work if I'm also not taking care of myself, you know. So it, some people might see it as like very selfish, but you can't be a safe space for someone else if you're not a safe space for yourself. So that even comes with how you speak with yourself, right? What do you say to yourself? How do you communicate with yourself? Because that's going to translate into the way that you're going to interact with the girls. Because for me, I can walk into a room full of girls and I can see myself in each and every one of them because I've been 13 before, I've been 14 before, I've been 16 before, and I know exactly the challenges that they're experiencing, right? So it's really important for me that like, before I go into that space, I ask myself, how am I also cultivating or how am I also creating a safer space for me? So then that way, when I'm speaking to these girls and we're having um, workshops and we're doing all of these things, I'm not projecting. And I think that is very important in any, in this work in particular is that like, I don't want to project. So sometimes we would have workshops, we would have conversations and I'll share my story and I'd be like, but you see, this is my story. This is my journey. I'm not saying that you need to go out there and do it exactly the way that I did it, but take from it what you need. And what is not necessary for you, throw away, right? So it's really important that I don't project um, my aspirations, but then I also don't project my fears on them. And that's something that I think a lot of times our parents are not able to grasp. So they would like, you know, tell you, you can't do this, but it's really because they're scared, right? And I have two, I have two brothers. So like sometimes they're, you know, my brothers are very adventurous. Like they like to do very dumb shit <laughs> things that i would consider dumb but they love it you know like it's like why like why do you want to be you know on a 
what's that thing? ATV going down a hill that is like, why? Why do you want to do that? Russia but it's really. like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's like, and my brother always, you know, we've created this very beautiful relationship where they're like, Aisha, you're projecting. And I'm like, yes, I'm projecting, but listen to me for once. Like, <laughs> why are you doing that? So it's a very humbling, it's a very humbling cycle when you realize that like, wow, like, you know, you also have to check yourself. So sometimes when girls share something with me or someone shares something with me, I have to ask myself, okay, is this, me trying to be supportive or is this me projecting my fears or my aspirations or how I want this to turn out onto them? So. Um, this question I want to ask you is, I don't know how you're going to take this, but because you go to, we are all human beings, you go through a lot of difficult things, right? How difficult is it to be in that constant mode of having to help other people? With your own difficulties and your own challenges, especially when people are coming on expectation that, oh, Aisha, she's going to, you know, she's going to talk me through this. That is a very, sorry, I, though that's actually a good question. I don't think anyone has ever asked me that question before on air. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it can get overwhelming. I'm not even going to lie, but lots of therapy. <laughs> um, lots and lots of therapy. And I think it goes back to... You know, that's my next question. Yeah, no, seriously. (laughs) Key. But it goes back to what I was saying about being a safe space for myself first. Um, And, you know, it got to a point in my career where, like, I actually, I had to call my therapist. I'm like, yo, listen, I love this work, but I am, like, I'm I'm tired, you know? And I'm like, I, I sit down and I hear these stories and I hear these experiences and it's like, I take them on myself. And she's like, yeah, don't do that. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that because I've been doing this for a very long time. And the only way that I can give of myself is if I'm able to empathize with that person. And my therapist said something and she's like, you know, you have to, before you go into a session, you have to check yourself at the door. And when you check yourself at the door, you reminding yourself that you're going in there as a support and your your role is not to save everybody. And I know Aisha, you want to save everybody, but that is not your role. Your role is yes, creating that safe space of support, creating that space that allows them to connect, that allows for them to speak, that allows for them to feel safe and feel loved. But after that session and after you've poured out, you got to check all those things at the door again and move. And that was a very, it was very interesting because I'm like, no, I can't do that. And she's like, you have to take care of yourself first. And I think that's the reason why I also grasped the idea that I cannot be a safe space for others if I'm not first being a safe space for myself. And you cannot pour from an empty cup. So if you're depleted and you're tired and you're not taking care of yourself, all these girls that are quote unquote depending on you can't because it will get to a point you're just gonna be like you know what um life is hard deal with it bye and it's like that's not the essence of who we are that's not the essence of our work so it's really just being mindful of all of that and it really comes with a lot of self-work like to be quite honest with you because even from a holistic standpoint i cannot do this work if i am not constantly working on myself because that's how like that's how i can tell you hey you know what where you're heading towards there's going to be 
you know, fire on the way. There's going to be water on the way. There's going to be hail. There's going to be snow. That's the only reason, like, that's how I'm able to tell you that. But if I am not working on myself and I just get up every day and I'm telling you what to do, I'm inspiring you to do what you need to do and I'm not working on myself, then it's kind of like you're almost a fraud because it's like, how are you telling me to believe in myself and you don't believe in yourself? Like, what what exactly is going on here? So, self-work. 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 <laughs> Especially that, because, you know, it can be a very personal thing. Um, but, like, you talked about therapy. And I think part of your work really is an extension of therapy for some of girls who may not have it. How important is therapy for anyone who's listening? We've created this African culture where we see therapy as an extension of, you know, very I'm very passionate about mental health as an extension of wanting to seek help because of mental illness, illness, yes. or what we would classify really as madness. That's like that. That's really the. Oh, <laughs> so how do you tell people right the importance of therapy in both the work that you do but in your self-reflection of the process how important it is for each and everyone to embrace that as part of something that we need like us we go to the doctor to make sure that we are getting treatment for physical illness we do that for our mental health yeah, no, like anyone that knows me, I'm always preaching, Charlie, go to therapy. It's important. You need <laughs> Charlie, go to therapy. That's no, a good t-shirt. Right? And I'd be like, Charlie, you need therapy. And like my friends are like, Asha, you do every time we're talking, you talk about therapy. And I'm like, no, because there are certain things that, like, and even for my girls, like I tell them, like, speak to someone, right? Like there's, import- there's value in being able to speak to someone. And the reason why, you know, a lot of us like, preach therapy because therapy is a safe space right and my friend like one of my friends would be like you're basically paying someone to listen to your problems <laughs> and i'm like you see yes but because i'm paying them i know that they'll shut up and sit down and listen. <laughs> no but you understand what i'm saying because yeah. it's like when you're talking to your friend it's different because mm-hmm. your friend's like chale chale you know they'll say something and then it's like you want to share but you don't even want to share anymore but they also train this person yeah right? and this person is also trained right so Therapy is important, it's valuable because there's a safe space that have been that has been created for you to express yourself and and I say this to people all the time, but like, you know, a lot of times you think when you go to therapy, like anyone that has gone to therapy will tell you. You think when you go to therapy, you know, the therapist is like sitting there and is telling you what to tell it. You are talking <laughs> the entire time and you are having epiphanies. So, Cause like you exactly. say something like my therapist does this thing where like I'll say something and she'd be like, so what you're saying is, and I'm like, that wasn't what I was saying. And she's like, actually, you've said this, this amount of times. You've said this, this amount of times. So this is how you really feel about this. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, that is how I feel about it. You know what I mean? It's a self-realization. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you think you're in therapy and you know, the therapist is like helping you, but you're speaking to yourself in all honesty because it's very reflective. Right. So sometimes I'm sitting down and like, I'm like, damn, I can't believe I actually paid you for you to tell me this about myself (laughs) that I already know. But it's like, if I wasn't in that space where I could, and I can talk. So if I wasn't in that space where it's like, you are encouraged to be yourself and to face the parts of yourself that you do not want to face. Because in reality, we all push down our true selves Mm -hmm. in one way or the other. Right. So 
maybe there's something that you have a challenge with, something that you've not necessarily talked about, something from your childhood that like you've not necessarily seen it as manifesting in your adulthood, but it's like your inner child is like, um, excuse me, sir, can you please take care of me too? And it's like, shut up. And then you, you know, you're constantly telling your inner child, shut up, shut up, shut up. And then you go to therapy one day and then your therapist asks you about your childhood and you just start crying and you're like, oh my God, you know? So it's very, it's, 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 it's therapeutic. <laughs> but I think it's important. I think it's really important. I think mental health is important. And like mental health in any sector that you're in, like, you know, because for us, like, you know, this is something that we deal with on a regular, it's, it's a bit different, but I feel like in every aspect of any work, being able to take some time for yourself is key. Being able to say, actually, I can't do this right now. And say no. Like, there's so many different, different, like, things that we do that can turn our mental well-being around that we don't do, right? So, I, I'm, I'm a big, big, big advocate of therapy. And if you can't afford therapy, find a friend that you can speak to. Find someone that you can speak to that would allow you to be yourself, you know, like that person that you can talk to will be reflective, but then can also give you sound input, right? Because I find that like, and especially among men, it's it's a bit harder because you guys do therapy differently. You know, you, you mask it with jokes and humor and like... Very bad humor. Yes. It, it's, it's very interesting to watch when men sit down and have conversations and it's like, you know, someone can say explicitly within a conversation, telling me I'm depressed though. And it's like, no one among the groups picks the it up and asks, are you okay? Like, are you really okay? So I think really just being able to cultivate those spaces and recognize that vulnerability is not a weakness. It's, it's part of what makes you human. So embrace it, you know, lean into it. Men say thank you. <laughs> so I know as part of your work at Party Girls, you do a lot of training. Can you take us through some of the um, things that um, encapsulates the training process? Oh, so we do everything from personal development. We do work around mental health, um, entrepreneurship, um, STEM leadership. But I think... When I first started Policy Girls, there was this module that I was very big on is that first develop the self, then provide the skills. Because once you're able to develop yourself, getting the skills becomes a bit easier. Because if, let's say, I'm giving you skills in tech and you've been told women can be in tech, girls can be in tech all your life, it's like you wouldn't necessarily even believe in yourself enough to take science courses, right? But once you've been able to build yourself and you've been able to unlearn some of the things that you've been told um, and really like, you know, let go of some of like, you know, the stories that you've been told, then it's easier for you to pick up on the skills. So that's kind of like has been the module. That's why we're really big on like personal development and really having conversations around how you see yourself, how you think the world sees you and how you show up in places. Because how you see yourself is different from how you think the world sees you. And how you show up in places is also different from the way that you actually see yourself. So exploring that has been like very key. Now, self is very philosophical, right? Like yes. since the ages, right? Identity is a big issue now in the world. How do we, how do you in your work 
make sure that people really come to that point where they are accepting of themselves and they are, you know, trying to figure out what identity really means in a very polarized world. Yes, identity is is is, is screwed. Skewed, skewed. Identity is skewed now. Um and I think it's because, you know, we are living in a very media and technology heavy age where everyone is telling you who you should be, you know. Even when you you think you know who you are, like someone is like, Oh, um, do you do this? Are you this? Are you this? Oh, maybe you should be this. Right? And then like oh, a lot of labels. Yeah, like there's a lot of labels. But I think the true value or like the true getting to the the core of who you are is getting to that point where or like finding that part of you that no one can question not even yourself um and that might sound very kind of like philosophical it's like oh my god but it's really like are you questioning like because i feel like part of part of my entire livelihood has been questions i like asking questions so you know, it's kind of like the whole to be, not to be, who are you, what is it, like, all that is great. But it's like, your true essence or your true self is the part of you that you cannot question. And it's a part of you that, like, even when someone's there, like, Charlie, nah, that's not me. This is who I am, right? So even when other people try to label you, you're like, nah, this is me. And even if you open me up, and all, it's still going to be me. So, like, an example, let's say you have a a can of tomatoes and you decide that you know what i don't want the tomato to be tomato i'm going to label it as like baked beans when you open it regardless of the label when you open it you're not going to get baked beans you're going to get tomatoes because that's what it is it's tomatoes so it's really getting to that point where you're like you know what i'm a tomato and it doesn't matter what label you put on me i'm always going to be a tomato so really finding that true self that is unquestionable so Mentorship is at the core of what you do, right? Yes. And I want to ask you, who has been your personal mentor? Oh, everyone. Mm-hmm. My mom, my grandma. Um, I have mentors that I've never met in my life. Um, Can you expand on that distance relationship of mentorship? Yeah, like I think there are people that like, you know, inspire you, but they don't know your name. <laughs> Um, but you're inspired by their story, you're inspired by their journey. Um, and then there are people that like, honestly, as I've gone through my career, as I've gone through my life, has been very instrumental. People that I can call and say, hey, um, I'm going through this. I don't know what the best approach is, you know, and I think it's important to have like different mentors for different aspects of your life. So my therapist definitely is my mental health mentor. <laughs> but you know, also having like a mentor that is very like career driven. Like, you know, I have a mentor and it actually happens to be a man, you know, my very good friend. Like, you know, I'll call him like, yo, this is what I'm, I'm having this challenge with this part of my work. And like, okay, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Right. Um, and then I have mentors where like, you know, I call and I'm like, um, this is not going so well in my personal life. What are, your, what are your thoughts? So I think it's important to have that. But then it's also important to have a mentor in every stage of your life, whatever stage you're in. Right. Um, because sometimes it's really just being inspired by people. Like I've had mentors that like, you know, they'll share with me and they'll say, actually, you know, when I was your age, these are the things that I did that I feel like I could have done better. So as you are navigating this journey or as you're going through this, be mindful of that. 
you know, be open to certain things. And I think those conversations are also very, very valuable. So mentorship is like key um, at Power to Girls, but then it's also key to me as an individual because I feel like no man is an island. You can't do anything by yourself. So just being open to the fact that there are certain people that have walked a path that you're currently walking that can provide you with insights. But mentorship is also two-way. So it's like, in as much as someone is feed is like maybe impacting into you, that means you also have to do that for the person that's coming after you. But then more importantly, making sure that you're choosing the right mentors. You know, you're not talk, you're not choosing mentors that are not aligned in values, that are not necessarily like, you know, um, are doing things that you might not necessarily find ethical and moral. So like finding what your values are and finding those. In, in it really those starts with self too. Honestly, everything comes back to you, you know, everything comes back to you. So when people have had the huge core mentorship program that you guys do, what then is the next step? What then, how do you catapult the girls to the next level? So then we provide them with skills. Um, we provide them with, you know, opportunities. We connect them with opportunities. We connect them with resources. Um, so we look at our program as like a very holistic um, thing where it's like, okay, yourself is being developed, but then you're also getting the skills to thrive in wherever it is that you find yourself. And I think for myself, one of the things that was very important was making sure that we we're providing the girls with skills that can easily become economically, like economic empowerment. So, you know, tech is something that like, you know, I'm big on. Um, so being able to provide them with tech-based skills, being able to provide them with, you know, resources that allows for them to be able to say, oh, you know, I was able to get a job, I was able to make money, I was able to do this, I was able to do this, do the programs. Already. So it's very like, it's a very holistic, you know, um, approach to empowerment where it's like everything that you need in that one space. And what are some of the most inspirational stories or some of your fan favorites? Oh man, I got stories for days. Um, I think the one that comes to mind, and I think it's because that's the one that I always share, was like a young girl came up to me and she's like, you know, Aisha, before I used to walk with my head down, but through Power to Girls, I've been able to do this, 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 this. Um, you know, I walk with more confidence. I believe in myself more. And I think the most recent, um, we were having... A lunch like a small lunch with some of the girls that I personally mentor um, and you know it was myself them and then um, uh, a potential like someone that was like basically having like a mentorship lunch so someone that was inspiring them and she asked them you know who inspires them and you know she started mentioning all these names Oprah, Michelle Obama and one of the girls said until I met Aisha, I didn't have anyone that inspired me. And then the lady started crying. And I'm like just sitting there, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, that's very sweet. Um, and I think that, for me, it's like in those very little moments that you realize that, oh, wow, like, I'm actually doing something. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, it was very beautiful, you know. And for the lady, she was like, you know, that was very sincere because I mentioned all these names, you know, all these, you know, names that people would like, be like, yeah, you know, that's my inspiration. And you just mentioned this person that was like 
right there, you know, and she's like right in front of you, and she's just this tiny little girl. And you're like, oh my gosh, she inspires me. So it was very, it was, it was very monumental. But for me, to be quite honest, is that like my girls inspire me so much, and it is because of them that I am, and it's because of them that I'm able to do all the things that I do because I want to make sure that they succeed because I know that when they succeed, I succeed, right? Um, Pirates of Girls is like my child, you know, I've been growing this child for some almost 13 years and it's like, you know, you can't In some ways, you're also a parent. Exactly, (laughs) right? So it's like, I can't let them go because I know that letting them go is kind of like saying, it feels like I'm abandoning my child, so to speak, right? So... It's been a beautiful journey. Partnership is very important to you and the work you do. What are some of the exciting partnerships that you had? Oh, um, so we've had um and in Canada we've had some really, really amazing partnerships. We've um we've taken the girls to like a back to school event with like Puma and Reebok and like they got like shoes or like a whole bunch of amazing stuff. I wasn't there so I was very jealous, but it was really nice with <laughs> them. I was really happy for them actually. Um in Ghana, you know, our program is supported by KGL Foundation. Um, shout outs to KGL Foundation. Please make sure this part comes in. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, yeah, shout outs to KGL Foundation. Um, we in in October last year we did like a really big conference. We brought together like a thousand girls from like DHS and SHS and like you know the Canadian High Commission supported that. Um, in um, the United Nations. Um, UNFPA supported that as well. So, like, we've been fortunate enough to be able to like connect with some really amazing, amazing, amazing organizations, um, and amazing organizations that understand the value of young girls and understand the value of impacting and supporting young girls. So, yeah, shout outs to the amazing partners of PTG. <laughs> and then comes in your new. Well, I don't know if you're still working on it, but you built a ride-sharing company. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I know when I saw the question, I'm like, ah, should I tell him? (laughs) Um, Where did that start? So that started in 2016. Yeah, 2016. And you see, the thing is, yeah, everything that I, I work on or I've worked on from then till now really stems from power to girls. So when... You know, I mentioned earlier that I was a bridge for the parents and the girls. So when the girls wanted to go somewhere, when they wanted to go to, let's say, parties, when they wanted to, they were staying late on campus. Who does a parent call me? Um, and at that time, like, you know, I wasn't really driving. So it was always a question of like, oh, um, how are they going to get home? And I'm like, I don't know how they're going to get home. Like, why are you asking me? Auntie, you drive. Can you please? You know, um, so I became a lot of things. I became a chauffeur. I became um, a cook sometimes. Like, I became a lot of things for the girls that, you know, I was, like, directly mentoring. So there were girls that I was directly mentoring and then girls that, like, I worked with, like, through our organization. So I realized that, you know, the, the thing, the issue around safety, again, going back to safe space, was very important, um, especially when it came to the transportation sector. Because around that time um, in Canada, like, you know, Uber and all these things had just come up. 
um, people were getting like you know from some very weird um, experiences in these you know in these share right share platforms. So I was like, huh, what about if you're able to kind of like create a space where you know girls are able, not just girls but like women are able to connect with each other through transportation through an app. Um, just like, you know, the rideshare platforms that we're familiar with, but then really in a way that um, is also empowering because most of the people that were driving were also entrepreneurs. They were entrepreneurs that needed customers, right? And most of the people that are taking, um, you know, rideshare platforms or anything like that for that matter were also potential customers and potential entrepreneurs. So how can we kind of like bridge those two things together? And that's how Driver started. Um, and that was, to be quite honest, like, and I always share this, that like drive her was one of the most difficult things that I've ever built because I feel like it took so much out of me. Um, it was just, it was just brutal. Um, because first of all, I was entering a space, I was entering a space that I wasn't very familiar with because I was coming from a place of passion from social, from the social sector. So it was very like intense and we made lots of mistakes. Um, we had lots of wins, but then evidently COVID started and I'm just like, you know what? We were going to, we had plans of actually bringing it back. Took a break. We had plans of bringing it back and then COVID came. I'm like, you know what? It's all right. It's okay. I think it's time for me to let it go. Can you share more about that process of letting go and what the reflection process of like, you know, having to, you know, stop doing something that you've poured so much energy in. Especially (laughs) I want to... <laughs> I want to like hear your thoughts on what uh, when is a good time. Honestly, it was taking a mental toll on me, mm-hmm. um, because and I think it was because I really understood what it meant for it to succeed. Like it's like I knew what it would mean if this was to happen. I'm like, this is going to like really help a lot of people, and I think that pressure in itself was also a lot um, for me, but evidently like honestly it was harder for us to raise capital from a business standpoint it was harder for us to raise capital um investors were all like oh uber or lyft and all these people can, can just do this hmm. and i'm just like well that's not your focus like that's not that's not your your focus point you know so it was really hard i was burning through like resources like my personal resources and i'm just like yeah this is this is a lot um and yeah i think I don't know, I would say the pandemic, I would say, I just knew in my spirit that it was time to let go. And I think once I came, I came to terms with that, I was just like, you know what, it's okay. And I, I kind of like released it for someone else to potentially do it. Like, I'm just like, you know what, I'm releasing this. Like, this is not Aisha thing. Like, I'm releasing this because I do think that it's a need i do think that it's a demand so i'm releasing this into the air and like god universe whoever it is that you feel like has the capacity to do this to its full extent please plant that seed um because i think for me like what i was called to do is what i was doing so to add something else onto it that was still something that was very much in tune and in line with what I was already doing it was yeah it just it was just time I think I honestly I don't know how I can explain it but it's just like you just know and I think every entrepreneur like you know when it's like Charlie it's time. it's time yeah you know but you didn't 
um, steer too much away from technology because no? then the part I found two, technology. Yeah, I mean that's a good thing. But the, the, the party girls has an app now. Yes. So can you talk about that? Which also started during the pandemic. Yeah. Um. So that's my power app. So my power app is a mentorship and mental health platform for young girls. So girls are able to connect to mentors, they're able to connect with each other, um, they're able to access our helpline. Um, and then now actually one thing that we've also added is like a learning aspect. So they can go on there and listen to, you know, watch videos, educational videos, resourceful videos on like different types of topics. So mental health, personal development, um, confidence building, art, like a whole bunch of different things. So it's really taking all the things that Power to Girls stands for and the true essence of Power to Girls and putting it in an app. And how has that been so far? It's been amazing. Um, like I said, I think once I, after Driver, I really looked at, you know, and explored how I can leverage technology for yeah. social good. Yeah. So it was like, huh, we have this technology that we spent lots of money on. How can we change this up to, you know, what it is that we're doing now? And that was basically how we, you know, how that came about. Um, it's been great. We are still very, very early stage because it's like we're, what, a year and a half in? Two years? When was the pandemic? <laughs> the pandemic 20, was 2019. Yeah, okay. So 2021, 2022. So, like, end of 2020 into, like, 2021, 2022. Um, so, we're still very much um, early. But I think one of the things is that, like, we're always recruiting for mentors. Um, if you have a young girl, you know, a young sister, daughter, like, share with her. It's available on iOS and Android. So, it's in all the app stores. Um, and it's, it's a free platform. So, you don't have an excuse not to learn or not to improve on yourself. And this journey that you've been on, when you reflect, what are some of the um, most memorable days for you? I have a lot of those. Um, I think one of my most memorable days is like seeing my girls graduate. Um, another memorable day was when we got a license for driver. Actually, that literally just clicked back in. Um, another memorable day was when we launched the the app on the on the app stores um i've actually had lots and lots of memorable days but i think i think my most treasured moments are the ones that are not in the public eye <laughs> um are the ones where i'm with my family you know i'm with friends and you know we're laughing and we're really like just being ourselves like i think that's really it and as you go through your journeys and as you go through life, you realize that those are the ones that you can never get back. And was there any time in this journey where you felt like you wanted to give up? All the time. All the time. I think I, I, I think if you're doing anything and at any point in time you don't feel like giving up, then you're not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, all the time. Yeah. All the time. How and did I think you hand on that? Remember why I started. Um, yeah, remembering why I started has been very, very instrumental. Like, and and I think that's really what it comes down to is that like, you know, being reflective of the fact that, wow, like, look at how far you've come, you know, and and I think like for me, my personal prayer to God is always like, you know, the ones that you've assigned to me, 
find ways for me to be able to get to them. Right? Selfishly? Yeah. So it's like when you feel like giving up and you're also praying a prayer of like find ways for them to get to me. They find you. <laughs> um, no, they really do. Right? <laughs> and you're just like, okay, I get it. Um, and then you're reminded why you started. So, yeah. This Can you show one of those moments? Oh, man. The moments of giving up, girl. There have been way too many for me to remember. <laughs> but I think it's like recently, actually. Like quite recently. Like I was super overwhelmed, burnt out. I'm like, yo, I can feel it. Like I'm tired. Like this is. And, and it was actually after our conference. Like I said, like the conference, we were planning for three months or more, you know, like we had a thousand, two hundred girls, like it was massive, like at UPSA. And like after the conference, we were all just tired. Like we were exhausted, like visibly, like myself, the team were just like, Charlie, we're taking a week off. And it's like, we knew deep down that we needed more than a week off because we were tired. And it was just like, I was just be very like, I was very frustrated. And I was telling, I was like, yo, you know, when I'm frustrated, everything is irritating to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, and I feel like, oh my God, why am I doing this? Like, well, you know, you're just like, you're in a space of just brokenness, so mm-hmm. to speak. And we also have like a program. So we went to the school and, you know, we asking the girls, how is the program for them? And some of the girls just shared what it meant to them. Some of them messaged me personally. And it was in those moments I'm like, ah, this is why we're doing this. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for the recharge. And then we go again and then we recharge. But I think as time goes on, we recognize also that important, like we've been talking about the importance of mental health and self-care. So, yeah. yeah. Um, how long do you see yourself doing this? Honestly, I have no idea. I don't know. It's a question actually I've had to ask myself recently is that like, how long do I have to do this? I think I'm always going to be in this sector in some way, shape or form. Um, but my girls are always going to be with me in some way. Um, so I'm still young, but I think, like I said, this is my calling and I can't run away from it, even if I want to. So we'll see. I think the beautiful thing, but also obviously, like you've said, the burden is finding your calling very early. Because I think some people, I don't know if I want to say they have the benefits, <laughs> but they have the benefit of going through a lot of circles, right? Yeah. And then having a sudden realization that, oh, I want to do this. Yeah. Every time they've bought themselves time. But in your case, you've been doing this now. For a very long time. Yeah, and you feel like you've done so much. But then it seems like it's only beginning. Yeah. Oh, so my journey is just... Yeah. yeah. Um, I can appreciate that from that standpoint. But uh, more part to you. Hi! What does the next evolution look like, if you've thought about it, of the organization? Ah, of my organization. Um, we're definitely going to be building a leadership center in Ghana. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be doing some really amazing things at Power to Girls, but I think like from a more personal standpoint, it's also really enjoying life. To be honest, like I'm I'm in a I'm in a I'm in my soft life era. Right now. 
Whereas, like, I have to enjoy. Like, it's like, I have to enjoy the fruits of my labor. Mm -hmm. So I say to my girls all the time, you know, all these things, you know, you people are going to be the ones that are carrying it on. You know what I mean? Like, and I have those conversations with them a lot. So they also know. And they've all bought me mansions already. So, <laughs> soft life. Yeah. 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 Um, there's going to be International Women's Day coming up very shortly, right? A lot of people, unfortunately, because of reach, have not had the opportunity to get to experience what Party Girls is about. Obviously, you should download the app. Um, but given this platform, what do you like to say to women and girls all over the world? Um, what, you, what would I like to say to women and girls all over the world? Be yourself. Um, and this applies to everybody at every stage and at every age um, in life. Be yourself. The best gift that you can ever give to yourself is you. And don't let anybody take that away from you. So. When you're feeling down, as you sometimes will, when you're feeling frustrated, as you sometimes will, always get back to you because no one's going to get get you like you got you. So, yeah, be yourself. And I guess, what is your biggest life lesson? Be yourself. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest life lesson is, hmm, you can't pour from an empty cup. And you cannot be a safe space to other people if you're not a safe space to yourself. So yes, I think that's my takeaway from the yeah. conversation too. I like that. And yeah. to the men, be yourself too. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any final words? Well, first off, thank you. This was actually really fun. It was actually really good. I enjoyed it. Um, thank you. No, the questions were really good. Um, final thoughts, final words. Honestly, like life is... Life is life. Life is always going to be life in, you know. So wherever you find yourself, whatever it is that you're doing, make sure that you're doing the things that you care about and doing the things that you're passionate about. And have fun. Don't take life too seriously. Yeah. It's been an incredible honor speaking with you. Thank you. Um, this has been a very therapeutic experience, <laughs> you know, reflecting. You went to therapy. And talking through some of the very important things to you and your organization. And I'm sure your organization has already impacted so many girls all over the world. And uh, obviously it's my prayer that it can continue to do that and that you have the strength to continue to do that too. Yeah. This has been the Change Africa podcast, the TEDx special edition. And we've had Aisha with us, who is the founder of Power to Girls Foundation. Aisha Ado has been impacting girls in Ghana and Canada. And she's been sharing her journey from when she was 17 to date um, from church and doing amazing things. And from starting a startup to now making sure that the same mentorship can be received all over the world through her technology application. So we're excited to have Aisha and hopefully we can have Aisha again sometime. Definitely. Great, great. So yeah, subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to your podcast. Thank you very much.